Welcome to the second viewing where we watch it twice so you can listen once. I'm Dan. I'm Kyle. Shakabra. All right, well, we got a real fun one coming up this week on the cast. Uh, this is an episode we've been looking forward to pretty much all year, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. It's probably sure one the of movie our... itself. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've been waiting for this movie since we saw the uh, the, the early trailer. Yeah. The it's got to tra- be a year ago now. Almost. Almost a year ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, the movie was announced. Even when it was announced, we got excited. Now, the movie we're talking about today is The Neon Demon. And now, I can't remember if uh, we if this movie was out before... We reviewed Drive on the show. I kind of think it wasn't. I think it was right around release. Yeah, it had to be pretty close to release. Matter of fact, there's a chance we might have mentioned it in the Drive cast. I'm, I'm sure we mentioned it. I just can't. Remember. I don't think we had seen it yet because I'm looking at the date. No. It was like June 24th, and uh, probably not no. around that time. Nonetheless, this movie is directed by Nicholas Winding Riffin. Riffin. I don't know the correct pronunciation on that, but uh, he also directed Drive. Featuring Ryan Gosling, which we have talked about on the show. So mm-hmm. if you want to check out that cast, go right ahead. Um, and then he also did Only God Forgives, right? Yes, Only God Forgives, also featuring Ryan Gosling. Um, Dude likes Ryan Gosling. Yeah, he definitely has a hard on for Ryan Gosling, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> Who doesn't these days, though? Are you trying to tell us something right now? <laughs> um, but uh, no, so yeah, we both generally like those movies. I like Drive a bit more. Drive's kind of the one I like a bit more. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy Only God Forgives. Um, but it's, it's, it just doesn't have that punch kind of, you know, like it's a little bit more slow going. I think we mentioned in the drive yeah. cast that, uh, if, if you like drive, then it would be a good opportunity totally. to go and watch only yeah. God forgives because yeah, it is what we said. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, it's, it's one, it's a tough one to just jump into not being super appreciative of maybe the more artsy side of film. Yeah. It's, it's. It's not even that it's artsy. It's almost like it's just like not, it's not. It's a little obscure. It's obscure and it's like not, like it's hard to recommend to the average viewer, I guess, is mm-hmm. maybe what we're just trying to get at. But it's kind of besides the point. This film, uh, The Neon Demon, came out this year. So it was a fairly recent release. It was, uh, had a Cannes Film Festival screening in the summer and then kind of got a wider release as the summer progressed. Right. Um, and I think yeah. the, the Roxy Theater here in Saskatoon got it for, for sure a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, we got it for two weeks, which was a, kind of a battle to get because it actually wasn't performing very well. The film was made for $7 million, but worldwide total only $3.4 million back in grosses. Oh, really? Yeah, but it's, I mean... It, it's too bad, but the thing is, is like this is a, a foreign um, funded film from I think it's in the Netherlands or like Norway or Denmark, sorry, Denmark. And Denmark like has like a lot of uh, they have this rule. I'm pretty sure it is where like if you make a film produced and directed by Denmark uh, residents or whatever, you get like a bunch of your funding back. So it's rarely do you ever like lose money kind of thing. Oh, okay. So they were they probably weren't too worried yeah. about it. And I know that he's kind of talked about that in some of his past works as well. Like like even when Drive came out, it actually wasn't that it was kind of a sleeper hit sort of thing. Like Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. It didn't get popular until like a year late year after its release. Yeah, pretty much a good I guess a home release probably or, you know, on Netflix and whatever the hell. Yeah. But um anyways, so this was a movie that basically not a lot of people may have caught this year yet. Mm-hmm. So I kinda wanna bring some more attention towards it. And um, I think it's pretty sad to say that we both really enjoyed this movie the first time around. Oh, 100%. Um, now, it's it's definitely a little bit more of a darker movie in comparison to something like Drive, if you have seen that. Um, but it's it's got some really, really hard-hitting scenes. Yeah, like, I think... Would you consider this like the middle ground, maybe, between Drive and Only God Forgives? Yeah, I think I would. I think Only God Forgives would be sort of the most obscure. Um, this one next being a little bit darker in theme, and then Drive being the most sort of mainstream. Uh, it's more accessible. Yeah, it's more like, accessible. It's like kind of easier to digest, whether like you want to look into it a lot or not. It's just kind of entertaining. Mm-hmm. And this, yeah, this would be somewhere in between, because there are, I mean... It, it's it really leaves, glitzy and it, it flows really well and like there are slower scenes and longer shots but it's it doesn't really spend too much time worrying about that a lot of the time yeah or at least maybe it doesn't focus on it mm-hmm. and the thing that reference does a lot is like he'll have very uh simple concepts very like one word two word concepts almost but they're directed with so much style and so much poise that like they become interesting i mean the idea of just revenge or the idea of uh, beauty it's just very sim- simple concepts, not not maybe a lot of depth into the narrative, but more or less showing narrative in like a very almost avant-garde like film style. Right. Yeah. 
And, and that's why I've always liked his work. I mean, he even did that movie Bronson with Tom Hardy. Have you ever seen that? It's, Tom Hardy's like a oh, boxer. No, but I, I, I've seen trailers. I haven't actually seen the movie. Yeah, he that was his film before Drive, I'm pretty sure. And I know he also did like a trilogy of like some sort of like weird ass fucking like uh, like cop movies from Denmark, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anyways, I've never seen those either. But uh, Bronson's pretty good. And it's he's kind of like the style from Drive, I feel like is kind of like this neon style almost it's very like yeah the the color palette's very unique you'll probably pick up on it right away where there's but they transfer over even to only god forgives a bit i believe and even this to a degree yeah not the same colors but in a way yes i well, think it's like almost pigments of the same color because heavy blues and reds um this one is purples dry the same thing lots of blue yeah. Um, I think there was some, some gold that's fairly prevalent. Mind yeah, you. yeah. Gold was a big one. And I remember the snake, right? Or the, the cobra. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, then, by the way, we do have a neon demon poster in the background here in case you guys can see that. Yeah. So we are, we are fans. We are fans. Definitely fans. So, well, let's kick it off with a little bit of a description. Let's sure, give sure. some background on this movie because uh, we're talking a lot about the style. And yeah. I think just to get some added context. True enough. Uh, so this film stars Elle Fanning, the sister of Dakota Fanning, um, as Jessie. And Jessie is kind of a first-time model or, like, she's new to the modeling scene. She, she moves from a small town to Hollywood and, you know, she has aspirations of being a model. But none, none too serious, more or less. She's not, like, she's not focused on fame. She more or less just, you know, thinks it'd be a job she'd be good at and she wants to be a part of it. Yeah, I think she mentions that, you know, she's not really good at anything, but she's pretty. And mind you, she is very young as well. That's something, like, it's hard to say how much we want to get into the themes in this half. I think it might be something we may want to save and, like... Um, By the time we watch it again, we'll likely pick up on some more of this. Because I think, like, the that sort of thing. The over-sexualization of women is definitely a huge element of this mm -hmm. film. And as you guys are saying, I mean, how old is Elle Fanning anyways? I don't think she's... I don't know how she's old... She's 18 years old. In real life, she, she's 18. She, she might have been even 17 when this film was in production. Right. So she's, yeah, a very young actress. Um beautiful girl i can say that now because she's 18 i double check that <laughs> uh, and uh um anyways though but she, yeah she mentions that she's like i'm not really good at anything but you know i've always been told i'm beautiful and she yeah and she's very innocent which yeah is totally yeah something the, we'll the likely touch on a lot more and she has this you know this kind of uh picture perfect idea of purity or you know something like that yeah and as she uh becomes more involved in the modeling scene she's gaining more and more success and she's gaining more traction and people are earning for her look and they want her to be more involved, but that also causes conflict with some other models in the industry. There's some jealousy yeah, that jealousy, happens. Yeah. This new girl comes in, blows everyone away. Everyone wants to work with her. Um, she's super young. She's innocent. She doesn't realize the industry or what it's about or how to survive in it. And uh, she ends up... She's such this like bright light of innocence and beauty that she ends up attracting a lot of darkness around her. Right. Well, yeah, it's funny because this movie kind of takes a shift about halfway in. And there's a scene just, that almost does the exact shift where she's like seen in this like triangular like, guys are playing like Legend of Zelda. It looks like the Triforce pretty much yeah. <laughs> where she's like kind of like walking through this triangle and it's almost like this transformation of her. I guess maybe owning her beauty or, you know, realizing that she's, uh, she's a star. She's, um, right. Like she's owning up what she's people are telling, what people have been telling her whole life. She's now realizing kind of, right. And I, th I think it can be compared to almost when you start a brand new job and you're very timid and you don't want to step on anyone's toes, but there's that, there's that day that happens where you realize, you know, exactly what the fuck you're doing. Um, and you know how to do it well. Are you getting you promoted kinda, maybe, I or guess? You, yeah, or you kind of just own it. You jump into this, you, you jump from, you know, finding your way into really, uh, you know, going downhill. It's like you hit the peak of the mountain. Right. And, and so... It, I guess it's funny, though, because it's like... I mean, I guess like modeling as a job is always kind of interesting to me, I guess. Or I mean, I don't fully understand, I guess. Yeah, it's definitely something. Like, I guess selling yourself. I mean, I don't mean to be negative. Like if you're a model, that's cool. But I guess I, I don't fully understand that world. And maybe that's kind of what Reffin's trying to put us into that world, that, you know, that lifestyle. I mean, I would, this is an assumption, but I would assume that like the way these other uh, like people or actresses or uh, models treat uh, Jesse is probably somewhat true. Like, I mean, the idea of jealousy and oh, for um, sure. competition. I mean, maybe not exactly because crazy shit happens in this movie. 
but <laughs> well, I I bet you any like you know it's cutthroat, right? That's that's what you could say. It's cutthroat. It could I, be cutthroat. Yeah, and no I pun intended, I suppose. It would be it would be a huge piss off for me if I was doing a uh, a job for a number of years and I thought I was really good at it, and other people thought I was good at it, and next thing you know, this super young naive person jumps in and happens to be ten times better at it than me. I'd kind of be like, fuck that person. Right. It's kind of like, sucks, you it's know? like when the intern like comes in and is better than you or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, that's exactly. And I think, I think there's a lot of like women deal with that in a different way than men. Generally speaking, I right, think, yeah. I think there's, there's more attention on women's looks. I feel like, yes, that's a th- part of it. What I'm really getting at is that, um, when someone comes in out of the blue, sort of uh, blows you out of the water or, or beats you or is better than you, a guy's going to kind of be like, fuck that person and work really hard. Or maybe he's going to spit at the guy in the parking lot. Or it generally, I like guys just kind of take it a little bit differently. And I think girls are a little like they hold in their feelings more. Um, yeah, it might internalize might, a bit more. Yeah, it might, it might lash out in a different way. Like, I don't know. They just ex- uh, well, generally I mean, yeah. speaking, I think they maybe express themselves a little bit more differently. So there's a run-in where Elle um, Fanning has uh, in the bathroom with one of these girls after um, an audition of sorts. And uh, things get kind of violent or just almost ominous, like very creepy. Well, it's a bit of foreshadowing maybe to a degree in that scene. Like the fact that things can take a dark turn or they can get a lot serious. Yeah. And I mean... Yeah, like it is kind of this competition. It's also this like idea of like fading beauty, or like, or your uh, your uh, worth is only uh, associated to your beauty or to your, which right. is associated with age. Because like I can't remember if they talk about her age in the film or not, but I she's think obviously they, young. Yeah, they they bring I, the, her age. Are you eighteen? She's like yeah, or something like that. Does that happen? Uh, at some point, it does. Yeah, she's in a, an interview with a chick, and she says. How old are you? Sixteen. Well, we're gonna go ahead and put right. down that you're eighteen. See, so, yeah, now that so, is that is creepy. But I mean, fuck, that probably happens. Th- That's there's, reality. There's some really creepy tones in this movie, and yeah, I think, and like Reffin's got some backlash about that. He's definitely been kind of been called the pervert for making this film and stuff, and he's been making some weird remarks on like this was like his like fetishized project he wanted to make and stuff like that and there's some weird things i mean right i can only take face values to what i'm seeing i'm not gonna relate what he thinks exactly i mean you know i'm not i'm not i'm not gonna base my opinion on this movie just on some remarks he said is Reg- what I'm regardless i think it's still a good movie right like it's yeah yeah no and I'm, I'm not undermining that i think it's just it's there's a lot of ways you could take it i guess and you're saying there are some creepy tones and it's hard to say if you would find this movie perverse or not that being said, it's like it's more so that the tones are like undertones. They're not like face value, like really creepy. It's kind of like you might get a little irked. You're like, mm, that seems a little off. Yeah, it's it might rub you the wrong way a little bit. Sometimes. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put but it. But the movie's very much trying to do that, I think, because but at the time the end of the movie comes around, you've had this like subtle feeling in the bottom of your gut that it's leading up to something. Something bad is about to happen. Like the way the movie progresses doesn't lead you to believe that something very good is going to happen. No, it it no. leads you very much in the opposite direction. Well, I mean, this, this film is, a, is basically like a thriller, almost almost even has horror elements to a degree. Mm-hmm. Almost in the same way uh, Green Room did, actually, when I think about it. It's a very ominous kind of setting. Yeah. Not, you know, again, right. not strictly horror, like shock factor horror, but more so... Right from the beginning of the movie, it's dark. Yeah, it's no, you're right. There's dreary. never there's never really uplifting moments or um, even really cheerful moments, honestly. Uh which, yeah, I mean, you could probably say this movie's borderline depressing in some ways, but, you it's, know. You're going to feel like you want to take a shower afterward, I would it's, say. It's jarring. There's yeah. certain there's certain parts in this film, and, like, I don't know, it's hard for me. Like, we always kind of, honestly, spoil movies on this show. Yeah. But there's certain parts of the movie I kind of almost don't want to spoil. Yeah, I think there's some, some elements that you should discover yourself. And Yeah, well. like, there, I mean, we will talk, obviously, about, you know, honestly, majority of the film, but there's a few things that I think... You need to experience yourself watching it. Um, so as the character Jesse is more associated with uh, some other characters, one played by uh, Jenna Malone, Maloney, I think. She's kind of like her assistant, her like uh, makeup assistant, I'm pretty sure. Right, yeah. And we find out a bit more about her being more 
almost the most vengeful one in, in a way. She's definitely the most jealous. The yeah. most jealous, and it's funny because she just comes off as a friend at first, or a very a confidant, I guess. Yeah, exactly. She recognizes Elle's beauty, and instead of being immediately frustrated, she's kind of like planning how she can take advantage of that in right. some way. Yeah, yeah. She's kind of like. So she wants to remain close. She's like calculating information. She's like taking yeah. it very in, like seeing like how she can. Yeah, almost which, absorb her beauty in a way, and like there's and you have that kind of feeling when yeah, they be, yeah. like you can tell that they they become friends or she's acting as a friend and everything she's doing is nice, but something seems a touch think, off. Things are fishy, and then I think. To, sorry, go ahead. No, I can finish this. So I think to be able to capture that is a really cool thing. Like to be able to, you know. Everything you're seeing someone do is great, but you have this feeling that they're not going to be the character they've presented themselves to be, or something's off about them. And I, I mean, I it's been a couple months now since I've seen this movie, actually, but I recall it's being handled really well in the way that I didn't actually see her becoming, like, the first person to fuck her over. I almost saw no. her as, like, the sidekick. Yeah. Immediately. Which is pretty good because, like, I don't know. I think I have a pretty good idea of, like, okay, that person's going to do this, you know. Or maybe not all the time. But like I said, like, reference stories are pretty are pretty cut and dry. They're almost simple in a way. And so in a simple story, it's often easy to point out simple, you know, plot points, things like that. But this movie takes an amazing turn where it's, like, almost every character you know up until halfway gets flipped on its side. Right. And the only clues that you have to that that end point is the symbolism that's hidden within the movie. And it's tough to sort of, you really can't understand where it's yeah. going until you finish the movie. You kind of have to analyze the symbolism. We'd and have to show you like, frame by oh. frame to really go through everything. And it, but it's, it's unbelievable because there's so much symbolism hidden in this movie. There's tons. Like I literally have a page of notes just from seeing it the, like the first time. <laughs> like, and I have, we haven't watched it again. Like this is what we're doing on the podcast as opposed to like off the cuff or something like that. Cause we actually haven't seen it again. And I think it was cause yeah. maybe deep down we had maybe watched it on the podcast. We were kind of like, okay, we got to cover this at some point. Yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty sure we brought it up on our um, most like things we were looking forward to in 2016 as well. I remember looking at the release list and talking about that. And honestly, it is one of my favorite movies of the year. I'll say that. I'll say that blankly. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. Unless I watch, I have a. I mean, I might watch it again and feel differently. That's kind of what the show's about. It's kind of an exploration. And that for has us. happened before. I mean, Midnight in Paris. Yeah, honestly, Paris. Midnight in Paris fucking sucks. That movie's not good. <laughs> like, I used to love that movie. I, I actually used to list it as like my like favorite movies. I would like yeah. bring it up. Like, oh man, you gotta watch Midnight in Paris. Now that that's a that's a charming film. Fucking, we watch it on this show. That movie not sucks. Yeah. It's not a good movie. It's not a good movie at um, all. Watch, uh, what's that one? An Irrational Man? Irrational Man. Oh, yeah. Watch I, that instead. That's a pretty good movie. That is a good movie. Then again, we actually haven't watched that twice. I have. I you just have. I just recently watched it holds again. Up? It, it definitely holds up. All right. Well, if not, I, I, I yeah, I think it was almost okay. a little bit better. It's quite good. Okay. Uh, I think maybe we will cut there. And we'll uh, we'll take a little break. Yeah. We'll watch this film for a second time, and we'll come back in talking more about Neon Demon, because there's a lot, honestly, to go over in terms of Ex color symbolism, visual symbolism, character symbolism, animal symbolism. Like, there's Just a lot. general themes of the movie. Uh, we're probably going to get into the ending a little bit and touch of spoilers. We'll touch there. on it, yeah. Touch of spoilers. Yeah. Um, but like we said, we're going to try to uh, still keep a few things under wraps, just just because of the nature of the film, honestly. Yeah. It's just, you know, um, it's an original ending in a way, and it's it's jarring. But uh, one thing's there for a minute. I think this might be a little bit shorter half, but I think that's just... That's just, good, because the next half yeah. is going to be longer. It's we be pretty longer, much guarantee and it. And we more so just want to introduce the film, talk about our, thought, our general thoughts and feelings, mm -hmm. so we can jump in on a good point for the next time around. All right, guys. Catch up the breaker. And we're back. All right, everyone. So we just ended up watching Neon Demon for the second time around. So this is going to be our second viewing thoughts straight up. Just what we thought the second time around. Things we noticed. Um, I guess potentially things we didn't like about the film. Things we liked about it even more. That kind of thing. Just so, kind of dissecting what was better, what was worse. And I, I think that we kind of really didn't touch on a lot of themes that we wanted to in the first half because we knew that there was so much we'd end up gaining from the second half. So we had a couple of theories after the first viewing, um, but we were able to root out some of uh, um, some of the theories that we yeah. had originally after the second viewing. So I think that is kind of nice to just concise 
um, the entire second viewing. But I got to say, a lot of shit that we noticed There's this time tons. around. Well, I mean, we knew there was a lot to talk about. So even if we ended up not liking this movie, it was kind of like we would still cover those things. Yeah. So, but like you just said, there was a lot that... Um, came up and I mean these these again these are a lot of these are still things I think I noticed the first time around to a degree like you know yeah not as in depth maybe but to a degree um yeah which is I, I think we refrained from talking about those because we knew that they were going to come up in a little bit more detail this time around yeah and I mean I was able to I mean when you see a movie in the theater um there's only so much you can like remember I guess or pick up on and, or even look into, but like we have the we have the home release of it, or you know you download it or whatever. It's easier to kind of like pause and be like, wait a minute, and like look up something. Yeah. And I mean, I don't always do that, but for a movie that generally interests me, especially something where like it's so heavy in like symbolism and things like that, there was a couple things I looked up and looked into, and so we have a couple theories, a couple a couple things I'm gonna bring up here. Yeah, and I, I you notice this a little bit more so than I because I pretty much I. Even when we're doing a movie for the podcast, I genuinely don't take that many notes. You pretty much take notes. I well, like we to bounce off each other on that on yeah. that regard. But yeah, I, I guess I do take a bit more notes, and we usually evens out in terms of what we noticed. But mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah. So we'll get right into it, I guess. So I mean, there are three girls in this film besides Jesse, the main character. Um, one of them being uh, the assistant played by Jenna Maloney. Uh. She's kind of the leader of the three girls in a way, and for the way I kind of saw this, as I I had just watched the Macbeth movie with Michael Fassbender again, so it was kind of like in my like conscious yeah consciousness or whatever, uh, and I was like, well, you know what I think about like those three girls kind of remind me of like like a like a witch or something or like the witches the three evil witches from the excuse me from Macbeth, and so I was like okay whatever, and then eventually there's actually a line where um. The I think he's the photographer or the stylist. Yeah, one of the one of the two. Yeah, uh, is he's Fisher's, in a bar a or a cafe or something. Yeah, they're like having. Yeah, they're sitting for like yeah, like drinks or whatever. Yeah, like somewhere to eat or whatever. And he literally just quotes like two lines from Macbeth out of nowhere. And it was just like it felt so weird. I could tell it was like Shakespearean. I don't know much about Shakespeare at all. I'll be honest. And but like it, it was very like what is that? So I looked it up and sure as hell enough, it's literally f- taken from Macbeth. Yeah, beauty is. He bring that. That's kind of that's that's not from the quote. The, I didn't I didn't write down the quote because it's I don't know. Fuck, it's Shakespeare. I can <laughs> care less. I'm not about yeah. to dissect that. That's all another thing. Yeah. But you know, it it to me like solidified that okay, like there's elements of that of that story in this movie, and it makes a lot of sense too because like the the three witches or whatever, uh, they believe in like witchcraft, obviously, and like dark magic and like you know the absurdity and evilness or I don't know how you want to put it. And that's what these three girls do. They're cannibals. They literally eat this, eat Jesse eventually. Yeah, they eventually <laughs> eat her, and uh, it's and I think they're they're basically trying to consume her beauty. Yeah, and I think yeah. there's something to be said about Jesse. To some extent, is like a light in the dark. She's this innocent character, but slowly becoming a little bit more uh, vain and. Um, interested in fame and she's getting wrapped up in these ideals that she's basically uh, a kid growing into the world and finding out that it's not all fun and joy and, and happiness like right. maybe you think as a kid or as a younger person generally because I think she's portrayed as a 16 or 17 year old in this movie 16, 16. She's, 16. she tells her boyfriend that she's 16 eventually she's like we know I'm only 16 and you make the assumption that he's over 18 or something. He's older. Yeah. And he still continues to go and date her, which is a little bit weird for sure. Yeah. Um, and that's another good part of the film, I guess, is when that same uh, photographer mentions to him, he says um, something along the lines of, well, you know, if she wasn't beautiful, you wouldn't take two looks at her. And it's like, he tries to cover up for it and he does an okay job at it because he's, you know, he's romantically involved with her or he wants to be. But then you think back and look, you're like, this is an 18, over 18 year old guy dating this attractive 16 year old like you know yeah. there's not much of a mature connection there You're going off the way she looks yeah and i i kind of gen- i genuinely think that it's it's more about her it's like it's it's less about her age to the point where like anyone that sort of looks at her doesn't even really care how old she is she, they just consider her this beautiful innocent amazing um figure and either they become 
jealous of her and want to eat her, um, or they become lustworthy towards right, her, yeah. or they, uh, you, you know, uh, are really innocent. Like her boyfriend early on in the movie, he's he's kind of he just well, he genuinely feels for her, and he's not like being aggressive, and he's protective of her, and he kind of takes care of her to an extent. Yeah, but I think age still plays a factor in terms of like youth and beauty, right? Because like, yeah, you know, I mean, you're people think younger like especially in this industry i feel like it's if you're younger you're you're going to be more desired because you're not aging your face isn't aging things like that yeah and you're not as i guess you know people age over time people generally get uglier with age for the most part to a degree yeah. <laughs> not everyone but you know are traditionally ugly however you want to put it um but i think maybe not just that as a big deal but even if you think about like if you're 16, like, or if you're 18, oh, too bad you're not 16. If you're 16, too bad you're not 14. It kind of goes, like, down and down, especially in, like, showbiz. Like, think about, like, uh, child actors, which Elle Fanning is and was, I guess. Like, mm -hmm. if you're trying to get a role for a kid's movie, you're not going to get it probably if you're too old, right? You always want to be younger and younger and younger. It's mm -hmm. kind of this, like, cycle. Maybe not just for modeling, but I kind of I kind of see the theme they're touching on that. Like, it's like you're... The older and older you get, the more, like, that's fleeting away, in a, in a sense. And there's not a lot of respect for, like, older people in entertainment, honestly. Like, there's some, like, there's big names, but for the most part, not nearly as much as people who are in their 20s, really. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people still think George Clooney's really attractive and right. stuff like there's that. There's definitely But examples. there's some exceptions. Yeah. It's like some anecdotal evidence. But you're right, for the most part... The younger, the better, because you're going to stay looking that way for longer. Now, I think the movie kind of pushes it a little bit to the point where it's almost uncomfortable for most viewers. Yeah. I think totally 16 right. is an age that's uncomfortable for like 99.9% .9 of people out there. <laughs> they look at it and go like, all right. Well, especially in the way that, in the way that they're portraying her in this film. I mean, she's very like, I guess, scantily clad in some ways and like sexualized for sure as like a young person, you know, and it's... That's a. That's not. What's well, the? Uh, I think it's the modeling industry of exactly. today. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, but I don't know. I think I don't think that is a good thing, and I think maybe that's what, what Reffin's trying to get at. He's like putting that to the public, like this is a real thing, you know, mm -hmm. like this is what I'm trying to critique, I guess, more or less. But I do want to bring up something that we talked about in the first half. Um, we were like we were, we mentioned how he said like we didn't really see the the three girls. Um, or there wasn't much foreshadowing to the three girls being like villainous or evil for the good half of the film and it kind of switches. Yeah. But we, we specifically her assistant. Yeah. Specifically her. That's true. But there actually is like definitely two things that are super big, uh, like foreshadowing moments that I did not catch on the first time around. And one of it is when they're having a conversation about uh, sex and food, which is better kind of thing. Like, I don't know. They're just having a conversation. She, and she asks Jesse, she's like, so what are you, sex oh, or it, food? Is that in the bathroom? It's in the bathroom, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and she... Uh, they mean it in a different way. It's, it's a completely different context. Yeah, completely. Yeah. They're just kind of having a conversation. It's so different. But in reality, later in the film, when um, Jenna Maloney's character asks, or Ruby, her name is, and in, in the film, she she kind of tries to you know, make a move on her, you know, you know, try to have sex with her basically. And Jesse doesn't, she's not into it. And so instead of becoming sex, she's food in the eater. <laughs> yeah. Which is unbelievable. And yeah. I know we've kind of given away a part of the movie a little yeah. bit early on, but the buildup, believe me, is, a, is the visual is the visual is more interesting than us telling you it. Yeah. You, you're going to, I mean, we could, it's like anything you're going to, you're going to be more shocked or more entertained i guess you could say yeah you'll you'll definitely appreciate it more once you're watching it the visuals definitely tie into it really heavily and there's some triangle symbolism that i picked up on a little bit less than it seems like you did well the triangle yeah i mean i kind of saw maybe like the three parts of the triangle i mean i'd be stretching a bit on here honestly to a degree um but the three triangle things i think that might just be the three witches and she like kind of walks through that and it actually eventually becomes one full triangle instead of three separate ones right that, like she kind of owns it and she's like she, she's above them. She's past them. She's the neon, demon. the neon demon. We'll get yeah. that in two minutes. But the one also thing I want to mention about the kind of foreshadowing is I think it's right after the first shoot, and they're in like the back makeup room, kind of. Um, you know, she's being her assistant, like helping her with her makeup. I'm pretty sure. She yeah. asks, "Oh, what kind of li lipstick is this?" And she says, uh, "Red rum." Which like I don't know why I didn't notice that. That's so like uh, typical uh, red rum. Red rum like backwards is murder, and yeah. that's that's. One from The Shining and also from, like, 
you know, just pop culture, I guess. That's a really like common right. phrase. I didn't pick up that at all, but I, this time around I did. And that's, again, that's just, I mean, it murder could be anything, I guess, but when you watch the rest of the film, it's like pretty obvious what that's, yeah. what that's alluding to. Um, yeah, but I mean, the blue, the color symbolism is huge. I think. I, I th- yeah, we get but, to that, or, or what do you what do you think? I think before that, let's talk about um, the scene with her with uh, Keanu Reeves. Oh right, and yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The animal symbolism. He's that like shows the manager up. of the motel. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's there's the animal symbolism of. Um, okay, this kind of plays into another thing. Like, there's the moon that's talked about a lot, right? And. Um, there's a moment, I can't remember the exact line she says, but Jesse talks about with her boyfriend when they're like parked out this, up front, up front of this ledge, just yeah. kind of looking up onto the city or whatever. And she says, oh, you know, when I was a little kid, I just like to stare at the moon and just like, you know, gaze at the moon sort of thing. And that kind of at the moment, time doesn't really mean a whole lot. It's yeah. just kind of, you know. I mean, in the context talk. of that moment, how much you've watched so far, that doesn't mean a lot. But in the context of the entire movie, that ends up being... It ends up being a bit more uh, prevalent, yeah. Because uh, there's another... I mean, the, okay, well, so there's animals that obviously howl at the moon and are attracted to the moon and kind of are watching the moon. They're these watchers of the moon. Um, and so we keep seeing these animal symbolisms of these predators uh, leading up from, like, I think it's like a... I think it's like a puma maybe, and then like a lion, like a lion, mountain lion, and then eventually yeah. a wolf. And obviously a wolf is probably the most common thing associated with the moon, right? Mm-hmm. Howling at the moon. Or for your Twilight fans over So there. like servants of the moon. Yeah. Okay, in I mean, some way or another. And she's almost a servant of the moon, which uh, could have a lot of potential symbolism. Or she's like begging alone. from the moon to like, you know... She's looking to the moon for something more. Right. Or like she talks about dancing under the moonlight. Right. And maybe like, I don't know, she's attracted to the moon in some way or another. And I think the, the animals can be seen as predators, right? They're like, they're, they're trying to, I guess, kill her or take, take her for what they want from her, whether an animal is just trying to kill her. But there is something three for, animals that there show There is up. three animals for sure. I can't remember the first one off the top of my head, but I know, I think it's like a puma or something and then like a mountain lion and then a wolf for sure. Right. Uh, the wolf, I think, is actually like a, maybe like a dead wolf, but it's hung in the house of Jenna Maloney's place right behind her as she's sitting under the moonlight. So it's, you know, right. there you go. But what, you're, what you were trying to get out about Keanu, I think, was just the idea that he's a little bit sketchy and he might also be seen as a predator in well, a way. Uh, well, I think I'm, I'm talking about the fact that he is an example that's kind of unattached to the modeling world that and and which are some heavy themes in this movie but he's still very much attracted and sort of drawn to uh, right. Jesse the main character he's attracted to her her sort of young innocent beauty uh, her her sense of vain the the lack of lust that you see in her because she really is not she's, she's your plain Jane kind of person in a way yeah she's she's not I mean she has lust but it's not sexual lust right it's, yeah, yeah. it's totally I mean she lusts for fame and something more because of her average life in a way I guess yeah um but uh, I guess I guess that's a good way to look at it because you could see it as like a contrast between like this extreme examples of these three women lusting over praying over this girl but then also like a real world example of this man just like well and the fact that it seems to follow her wherever she goes and to me it kind of says that it doesn't matter if she's in this industry if she was elsewhere it's she's this iconic idea that is almost exaggerated that it sort of depicts what everyone seems to be after. It depicts what the world seems to be after right. in some way or another. Man, I just thought something about the motel, actually. Like, um, I kind of, like, the whole time in the movie, I kind of felt like the motel was kind of like her safe place in a way. Like, when she was inside the room, she was kind of like, that was her comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But then there's that scene where she opens up the door and Keanu's right there. Yeah. And it's like it, every every door she opens up, there's, like, danger or, like, evil going on. But another crazy thing, actually, is I'm pretty sure the wallpaper of her room had flowers on it all over the place. It did, yeah. I think yeah. you're right. Um, and that's one kind of theme or, I guess, motif in this film is the idea of, in, like, flowers meaning innocence, mm-hmm. um, which is one thing I looked up. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I really, or they can mean, like, innocence and uh, youth and purity. And she's actually given flowers, like a bouquet of flowers from her boyfriend. And she lays down on the bed with him and all the flowers kind of like, not all of them, most of them kind of like fall apart. And then she has this quick flash, like image of the blue triangles. 
where it's like she doesn't really care about what's going on. She's more focused on that. She's dreaming of that. That's what she actually cares about. And then if you flash forward to the end of the film, when she's being buried, her uh, grave is surrounded by these huge bushes of flowers, kind of showing that like her innocence is finally dead. She lost her innocence. Yeah. Which is kind of fucking nuts, honestly. It is crazy because she is, in my opinion, an extremely innocent type character. I mean... Her whole character is built around innocence, and then she seems to, you know, to to want to seek out, like she wants to get out of that realm of innocence and and fall into something else. Yeah, and like she, fame and fortune, something a little bit more uh, sort of vain or exciting or different to her. But she's not she's not comfortable with who she is. I think is more or less what it is. <coughs> yeah, I think you're right. And she, or maybe she doesn't even know she is. I mean, she's a young person, right? It's hard for her to coming to herself and she's having all these people around her almost telling her who she should be and i think her parents have passed away right god i totally fucking forget about that I don't yeah I'm, I'm i think she mentions that uh when she's in an interview at the modeling agency at the around the same time that she mentions her age or her real age to this person oh, was the uh she brings the, up the manager fact. right christina hendricks i'm pretty sure the yes. old red hair yeah, yeah, her her manager, who, or the lady who ends up becoming her manager. But at this point, she's in the interview, right, and she right. uh, she mentions, yeah, I'm 16. And she goes, well, we'll go with 18. Yeah, we'll make a compromise. Yeah, and then she also brings up the fact that, uh, what brings you to L.A.? Where are your parents? Oh, my parents passed away. I'm, sure, per- I totally I'm, fa- I'm fairly certain no, she says right. that. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, there you go. This is a person that doesn't have... Well, I mean, we don't know her entire life story, but you make an assumption that she doesn't have strong, maybe, uh, parent figures or things like that, or she's lost they're, her parents. They're gone at this point, but what, what's almost disconcerting but she even, she, is But she how, even moves her way at 16 with no parents. It's kind of scary. Yeah. I mean, I guess <laughs> to she... LA too, better yet. She just imagines that the only way she's going to succeed in life is with her beauty. I mean, she mentions that she's not really good at anything, but she's beautiful and... That's right. the best job she could have. That'll, so. that'll, that will get her by kind of thing. Um, let's maybe quickly go back to um, just the three girls, I guess. We'll kind of wrap that up for a second. Um, so there's there's an – obviously we were talking about when they, there's a moment when she gets eaten alive. <laughs> she, there's this kind of chase scene in the house where she is cornered by the three of them and is eaten alive. And when she is eaten alive, Ruby, uh, the – assistant sits in front of this window like with her legs spread open and starts just like pouring blood out of her at the moon which i think might be a thing like potentially like a menstrual cycle with the moon i'm not entirely sure you could look at it that way right it could be because she's just eaten yeah that's kind of what I'm, more of what more or less what i saw was like she like consumed her enemy and was like bathing in the blood of her enemy yeah. which i thought was kind of badass honestly like yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like pretty fucking nuts yeah. <laughs> and and then meanwhile the other girls are just have just ate her basically, and it's kind of interesting because it's like I think they were struggling to find work, and but as soon as they ate her, they got a shoot like the next day. Yes. So it was like they had her purity, they had her like, you know what they were lacking inside of them, and uh, they eventually couldn't. One of the girls couldn't hack it, and she literally hacks up her. Yeah, uh, I mean, the two of them are at a, a newly found model job, and I think Ruby is there or around, right? I don't she's remember. Like, she's sitting in a pool or she's watching from dis- – Yeah, I, she, might, she might be there. She yeah. might be around. Anyways, the two other girls um, are sort of the main focus of this shoot. Uh, one of them seems a little bit uneasy, or she just kind of seems unsettled. The other one seems very confident. And then they both walk into the shoot, and as pictures uh, have begun to – you know, and they start the basically their shoot, um, and the sun's beating down on them, and it's hot, and it's kind of this like dreadful but beautiful scene. Uh, one of them has to run off to the washroom. Yes, yeah, yeah. and she well, she's feeling ill. She's yeah, like she, noticeably like her stomach's. She's feeling her. ill. Like this purity that she's just consumed is not agree- agreeing with her. Basically, <laughs> the Jesse that she's just eaten is not agreeing with her. And she goes to the bathroom and she starts throwing up and puking and heaving and she pukes out an eyeball. And the other girl comes to check on her. And um, doesn't she kill her? She eats her as well, yeah. Uh, she eats her as well. She she starts eating the girl, like eating her fingers and stuff. 
Uh, well, she picks up the eyeball that the one girl... Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Are you saying she kills the other girl? I don't think she kills her, no. Well, she just stays there and she goes back to the shoot. I think she, like, stabs her or kills her or something. Doesn't that happen? I don't Isn't think crazy? so. Might be crazy. Hmm. But she definitely dies in that bathroom, does she not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she's, like, throwing up and she, she dies. Yeah, yeah. Right. And she, she, you see her just laying there, like, like that. And then she walks back into the shoot and, like, as if nothing happened. Yeah, okay. And then right before that, she even says something. I think some there's another, like, random girl there being like, has anyone ever, like, screwed you over? I had a shoot and like ever upset you like what would what did you do to that girl and she's like i ate her yeah that's right <laughs> yeah you ate her which is like a, i pro- like oh haha ha. like you know it's, you ate tru- her, but it's the truth but everyone's laughing at it as a joke um but that to me was a really driving home that, that's that's the scene that made me need to want to like want to take a shower after watching this movie well, it was kind of like and it's a, it's a little in a way a little out of nowhere almost it's a, or not out of nowhere, but it's like a really fucking like crazy. You're like, whoa, what the hell? It's it's kind of like because they do eat her, but they don't, you don't see her them eating her. Yeah, it's like alluded to. And yeah, and so the point is made, but that scene really drives it home for me. It's kind of like that was you know the last nail in the coffin or whatever that saying is. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the idea that literally these people want something so bad that they would kill for it. Yeah, that's exactly what they do, and they they want it to be a part of them. Um, and they end up being surrounded by death, pretty much. And yeah, well, it, but it's funny because, I mean, the other girl kind of almost gets away with it. Or she gets away with it, basically. She adopts that purity because, you know, innocence can be seen as, uh, in you know, in addition to being, like, just not understanding what's going on around you. Well, I guess it's just that. It's kind of being very innocent, not uh, not knowing the meaning of everything around you or not sensing what's going on. Uh, so it's almost as if... The girl who comes to check on her friend who's now throwing up to her death um, blood and the eyeball of uh, Jesse, who they've eaten, right. instead of sort of feeling bad for her friend and wanting to help her, and she kind of has this innocent like look on her face where she eats the eyeball. It's like guilt and innocence tied in. There's no, They have like no remorse. It's more like they, it's very self-centered ideas. Yeah, it's, it's like, like they it's just almost... care about what they can do to get themselves ahead. And they make it. They make a point to say that they're older, but they don't, never say how much older they are. Right. For all we know, it's like three, two years older than them. Like, right. Well, I mean, well, I guess what I'm trying to get at is sometimes ignorant or uh, innocence is ignorance in some way because you're ignorant to what's going on around you. You're innocent. Right. You don't. You don't like, fully understand it. Ignorance is bliss. That's that's the line. Yeah. It's like so, it's blissful to have the idea that oh, I don't know any better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like, you know, a kid is very innocent, doesn't know any better, and he's, you know, throwing his own shit at the wall. He doesn't yeah, know any better, right? Care, yeah. Who knows? But, and so what, well, I guess kind of what I'm trying to say is it's almost as if she's adopted this innocence having eaten that girl. She watches her friend die as if she doesn't understand the meaning of that. She's she's naive to that. She's ignorant to that. Yeah. She's almost adopted an ignorant sense of innocence. Well, I guess for me... I don't really see her as like a human almost. I see her just like this like, fucking like devil creature in a way. It's like she's like I don't like they have they, they aren't good people. I never at one moment saw them as like people with or characters with like good qualities more or less. So for me that wasn't that like surprising. Right. But when it got to that point and she ate her, I was like, that's literally all her character character is about is trying to get ahead from other people. So right. but but you're Very right. Self centered. I mean, yeah, yeah, completely self centered, and it's like. It's interesting to see that kind of play out where it's like they get work literally like the next day after they eat like this. I mean, the kind of like the the hot shot in town now. She's everyone's the girl everyone's talking about kind yeah. of thing. Um, yeah, so I guess maybe the last main uh, theme we'll talk about is like the color and the color uh, like this metaphors is, in this. This is really cool. Yeah. There's, I, a, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Um, so for sure, I mean, this has been seen as other films for sure as like blue and blues and reds, hundred percent. I mean, we got Drive the DVD over there too. I can see it on the cover already. And yeah, all of his movies, those colors are very prevalent. But they always mean kind of different things in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, similar ideas, but each movie kind of takes them in a different in a different uh, in a different method or a different way to go about it. And in this one, we have blue being very. Um, I guess ignorance, I guess, is the way I'd put it. Like, ignorance is bliss. Like, or the idea that, like, you can be so vain about yourself, but you don't know any better because you just feel good about yourself. It's kind of like you don't have to worry about anyone else because you just care about yourself. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, I know how I'm doing. I don't know how they are doing, but that's not my problem. Right, like, they don't know any better. They've, yeah, they're not, yeah. And the thing is, is, like, Jessie doesn't really have that quality to begin with. She's very pure, like, in the sense. She's not a selfish person yet. 
but we she's do not tainted by the world around her. Yet. No, she's not. But um, there's there's this part where the where Jenna Maloney asks her or tells her like, you know, what, you're just a diamond looking into a sea, a sea of glass, or in a sea of glass. Sorry, kind of just saying that like there's like this reflection of her, this like perfect entity looking at like this this blue object, this like vanity that she might just fall into. And that ex- that's exactly what happens during, like, the scene where she's literally becoming the Neon Demon is, like, she's in this blue triangle, Triforce of Power thing. And the reflection of it is literally, like, a, a rippled water effect. It's exactly right. what it is. And then it-, it gets to a point where she owns that vanity. And there's another scene uh, near the end, the one girl who's feeling upset with her stomach or whatever at the shoot, she's literally looking into a pool, and the one photographer says, "Stop looking into that pool and look at the camera." Mm-hmm. It's because she's trying to get that, she's trying to get back that, but she she can't handle it. She's not yeah. made for it. But Jesse is essentially. And um, then we get into reds. Red is kind of like in the color of uh, you know danger, danger. essentially. Yeah, and absolutely. one of my favorite parts about that actually in this film is. Right after her first shoot, like in like what do I mean with the first like ten minutes of the of the film, mm-hmm. uh, she's like rubbing off this red paint off her arms, and it's like saying that that paint is like is like fake danger. It's not real danger, but then as soon as she's rubbing that off, Ruby walks in, and she's the real danger. And her name's Ruby. How could I not fucking coin into that Ruby the first red, time? Yeah, Ruby Red, right? And so she's the real danger, and she's the one that shows her what danger is essentially, and like that idea of like owning it and. When she's becoming the neon demon, there's she's, literally the scene. There's a scene of like this red image and this uh, blue image coming together to make purple to the point where she's now both, I guess, vain and um, narcissistic and dangerous. She so she's she started off pure. She's adopted this quality represented by the color blue and represented by the color red, and she's now combined them to end up being the neon demon yeah and, I, and like the color of purple is often like a royal color it's seen as like a very like highly praised color i think like pastors and shit were purple and stuff. yeah yeah it totally it's the, what do they call it the color of royalty yeah royalty yeah um and there's literally a moment where she's standing on like that um diving board on that pool just looking over everyone like she's yeah. just standing there for no reason, just saying like I'm above you, basically. And she's she's very cocky when she's walking around that pool. She's kind of like, uh, I think she's she hints to it. She's got a couple of lines, and I can't remember what they are, but she hints to that idea of you guys are jealous or right, yeah. Like, well, she even the way she carries herself after that is very like poise and like kind of a supermodel yeah. cliche she doesn't walk of. around shy and like timid anymore it's it's very sure of and the clothes she's wearing point. are like you know high fashion nice clothes it's like a, she's wearing like gold makeup and stuff out of nowhere it's a gown of sorts really i mean yeah. she's walking around like yeah highfalutin well she essentially just owns it and at that like the scene where she becomes a neon demon is like probably my favorite scene in the movie it's fucking gorgeous it's just a very visual storytelling going on and it's just this idea of her becoming something she's not, but now that's who she is. You know, that's something yeah. that she never once was, but now that's who she is. It's She's grown into that quality now. And, uh, and she eventually, uh, at that point, she's very confident basically around this pool and she ends up, well, I don't want to give away too much, but she basically fall or she, she's killed at that same scene where she's yeah, uh, yeah. walking around as the neon demon around this pool and sort of she she's she's almost not walking she's like gallivanting she's like very proud <laughs> of herself it's like she's she's a little bit showy in well, she a way she doesn't have any more timidness like anything any insecurity she may have had or gone she's yeah. very high on herself and yeah exactly and so now ruby and her underlings are uh, making their move on this sense of this royalty. So the three witches are now preying on this royalty to right. exploit. Um, well, they're upset that they don't have that. And yes. just, they want it. They want that. And so they're doing whatever what, whatever they can to get it. And so well, they actually end up eating her. Well, and the scene where they're talking in the, in the dining, in the restaurant or whatever, they pretty much describe the whole movie. They, the guy says, beauty is our greatest currency. Beauty is not everything. It's the only thing. Yeah, and that's what, and that's kind of what the whole film is about. And at that point, Jesse doesn't quite get that, but by the time she's a neon demon, and she's looking over on them, and they're, she's basically getting eaten. That's all. That's her off. 
that's that's exactly. what she's about at that point. Um, so I think that's kind of I think there's a couple of last things to touch on. And we, have a, we have a couple last things. Uh, just just some just some last things to mention, I guess. Just like I thought the music in this movie was fucking great. I've been listening to the soundtrack a lot. I really yeah. like it. The score's great. Well, I love the movie in Drive. Yeah. Um, and from what you've told me, I just found this out tonight, is the same guy uh, has has done the movie for Drive, Only God Forgives. And, and of course. The one and only. Spring Breakers. Yeah, no, he's he's great. Cliff Martinez, he does like a good like uh, electronic-driven synth score. It just really always fits. He's like driving, ominous beats, and like slow beats. Just, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's really... I don't know. It captures the mood and the kind of what the movie's trying to say. Yeah. And I guess maybe just one last thing I want to talk about is like, it's kind of probably a whole other subject for a podcast in itself. But like, from what I understand, the biggest criticism about this movie is like, it's all about it's all style over substance. There's nothing really to this movie in terms of uh, it doesn't leave you with a lot, but it has a lot of style and it looks great. It's visually amazing. To me, it's like that's not to me it's like i don't think that's a crutch i mean that's just that's just filmmaking you know it's I, like and i don't necessarily think that there's not substance to it i just think that the substance is not clear and it's almost up to interpretation i mean how you, how and what you take away from this movie right. could be totally different from someone else because the clear theme is not like you know you'll always succeed if you're a great person like some cliche no, type yeah, yeah. It's not uh, it's, set in stone, or it's not written out, or ex- told to the exactly. audience. Exactly, it it almost just tells a story um, with different themes, and it's up to you to decide uh, what the value of those themes is, or or sort of what the value of this movie is to you, because it it. I think it's yeah. You're right. It can be a personal thing at that point, I guess. Yeah, and I I think I don't think this movie wants to come across with a very clear theme. Right, I think it, it's a simple theme that can be perceived in a whole bunch of different ways. So I well, don't think that's why it works to me because the visuals enhance that that simple theme. Yeah, and, it's and like, the visuals are done fantastically. And the visuals are driven with metaphor and symbolism and whatnot. And like I guess like we kind of said at the top of this half is like you can read into that a lot if you want to, but if you don't want to, that's fine too. Yeah, you can look at it on the surface. and, and But I guess maybe, sadly in a way, this is a movie. My only criticism, I guess, would that be like, this is kind of a movie that if you're not willing to look into it a little bit more or realize what's going on, you might just be kind of fucking confused. Yeah. And I, I, can, I can understand that. But for me, this movie honestly like just owns the idea of show, visual storytelling and making visuals a part of the narrative. And I mean, that's what, that's what Reffin's been doing 100%. for his last two films. And I mean, that's why we were excited for this one and it delivered on all fronts. And I mean, this is probably in my top three favorites of the year for sure. Um, we'll be, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah for me as well. We'll be, uh, I guess we could probably say this now. We'll probably do like a top, a top 10 eventually near, near the end of the year, maybe the beginning of next year. Once we see some more films we're excited for. Um, and hopefully this stays on the list, but I guess time will tell. I'm sure it will. Honestly, I, I doubt this movie. I doubt like seven more better movies are gonna come yeah, out. Me too. <laughs> but you know, fair enough. I You're guess right. we'll see. We'll see. Anyways, well, it's been a bit of a bit of a nice like a longer cast. But it's been longer, and there's been a lot more heavier talk and jargon. But it's been a while since it's probably been like since the lobster that we've got into like crazy metaphors. And some movies are just <laughs> like that. Sometimes there's there's a little bit more in the air to talk about. Yeah, and this just happens to be one of those movies. Um, well, thanks for joining. You guys have a great day.